Stay sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. What I know is there's not one bit of evidence to show any type of coordination, collusion, conspiracy whatsoever between the Trump campaign and Russia to impact the election. But we don't we don't have the facts yet, um, but we're going to initiate uh, uh, proper investigations. I don't understand if Mueller doesn't have any crimes that he's that that he's going to prosecute on then I don't know what report we'd be looking for. And now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the program. It's great to be with you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you can find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. You can also find some of our, um, we had some pretty cool stuff going on at CPAC, and the pictures are all over the place on our Facebook page and on Instagram. You can see uh, some of the people that I was able to kind of catch up to and and just good friends that hadn't seen quite some time. So it was great to be there. This hour on the show, we're going to be talking more about uh, the CPAC itself. We're going to have some audio from there. We're also going to talk about this whole idea that we need to subpoena the president's tax returns, um, that the Democrats really need to see those tax returns. And so part of what what's happening here. Is and I mentioned this on the show a little bit ago, is that the president has done business with people all over the world. And so in looking at his tax returns and the details of who's paid him and who's paid his business, uh, the Democrats would be able to target individuals who've done business with the president. He's trying to protect those people. So I sincerely believe that there's going to have to be some, I, I, I think Congress is going to have to get together and put a stop to this. I don't know how, uh, because the Republicans no longer control Congress, and they seem like they don't have the stones to get anything done when they do. But, you know, be that as it may, let's go to the phones with Stephen, who held on for a while. Stephen, thank you so much for holding on. Um, what's your comment today? Uh, yes, ma'am. We've spent all this taxpayer money on trying to nail Trump. What What's it going to take to get us something out of our money and go after Hillary? Oh, it's such a good question. Um, I feel like the Clintons are are out of reach for prosecution. And the reason that I feel like that is because it seems like if they were able to prosecute them, they would. Uh, and maybe the reason why we haven't seen much going on with that is because the Mueller investigation has been going on and the president or the attorney general or acting attorney general couldn't initiate any proceedings against Hillary because that would be seen as obstruction. And that's what people, that, that's what they're trying to do is get the president on something like that. So my hope is that once the Mueller investigation wraps up and he's no longer doing that, of course, the, the House Democrats just announced that they sent out 80 letters demanding documents from the White House and every other agency and every other person alive because they want to start digging into him and making a case so they can impeach him. But while that's going on, when the Department of Justice is no longer investigating the president, then it seems possible that they would be able to turn their guns on Hillary Clinton and actually uh, finish up what the FBI started with her emails. And so we'll see. We'll, we'll see if that happens. I, the only ho hope I hold is that, obviously, no one ever gets away with anything. And God is in control and she will be brought to justice. The question is, you know, will it be something that we see or will it be something that we don't get to see because it happens elsewhere or, you know, 
on into eternity. I don't know. I really don't. I wish I wish that we could see a blind justice system and that she would be treated this because because really, honestly, we talk about Hillary. Obama is guilty, too. He knew she was using the private email server because he was emailing her on it. He's the commander in chief. His people should have said, we can't communicate with the secretary of state until she gets on a secure server. Until she has an address that is secure, we cannot communicate with her. We can't use pseudonyms. We can't use alternate accounts. He was using an alternate account to communicate with her so that his whitehouse.gov email address would not have uh, you know, any record of him communicating with her on the server. Yes, that's so why, why do we not talk about him and everyone else in the chain who was aware that she was doing this? And that's just the email stuff. There's so much other like there's more. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, I refuse to give up hope because I've read God's word and I know what he says about the, the wicked do not go without punishment. That is the truth. So we got to hold on to it no matter what. Um, so I was, I was talking just a bit ago there about this Trump tax return thing. And you've got Representative Reed talking about subpoenaing Trump's tax returns and that it's a dangerous path. I want you to listen to this because he's making a good point here. And this goes back to the whole Harry Reid thing. Remember when Harry Reid was going to get rid of the filibuster? And he, he did. And he was told by uh, Mitch McConnell that if he did that, he would reap the, you know, he'd reap what he had sown. And he just ignored it and, and filed on through. And that ended up being exactly what happened. And it really bit the Democrats pretty hard. Here he is. It's Representative Reed. It's number three. You know, I think uh, going down this path of having uh, the chair of the Ways and Means Committee request uh, tax returns is a dangerous path. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of, a, of, of power. And if you weaponize this in this political environment, uh, I will tell you, don't, don't be uh, uh, surprised in the future years that other chairmen are going to use this for political purposes. And that's just that's a danger that we need to recognize on this issue. So your interest hasn't been piqued as to what's in President Trump's taxes? You know, what, I, what I'm interested in, and there was a good conversation. I, I'll give credit to Chairman Neal. We had a hearing on this issue. And what we focused on in some of that uh, conversation was, okay, these disclosure forms that we all file as candidates to protect the privacy of those that are affiliated with a candidate that's running for president. Why don't we focus on the disclosure forms, amend those, get all the information out in a more detailed analysis so that innocent bystanders also, their privacy has to be respected in this conversation, are not brought into this political warfare. So he makes that point because Democrats also own businesses. Democrats start down this road of demanding to see the president's tax returns because it's a voluntary submission. There's no law requiring it. And if they go down this road making it a mandatory requirement, then AOC will have to submit her tax returns. Nancy Pelosi will have to submit hers. There are plenty of people on the left who have business interests that are far more fascinating than President Trump's that will be forced to give their information up as well. Because, I mean, if you think a lot of people have been sitting around wondering what's in Trump's tax returns, imagine what those same people and some others on the right would be sitting around saying if, if this becomes the new rule. Um, I'm interested in seeing Chuck Schumer's tax returns. I'm interested in seeing President Obama's since, you know, I mean, when when does it end? What about uh, not just Nancy Pelosi, but Dianne Feinstein? Elizabeth Warren has said she'll submit hers. Um, but 
There are others who have not, like Maxine Waters. Have we ever seen her tax returns? Um, so anyone, this would apply to anyone. Joe Biden, uh, who probably doesn't have anything to hide, maybe, uh, you know, but maybe he does. It's not really going to be an issue of you saying, I don't want to anymore. If you make this about President Trump and taking him down at all costs, there will be unintended consequences and things that have to be paid. You know, the piper will have to be paid. And, and the question is, how far do they want this to go? They may succeed in materially damaging President Trump with moderate voters through examining his tax returns and putting out information and smearing him. And that's their intention. Make no mistake about it. But what about their people? If it's anything we know, it's that Democrats project a lot. They send the insults out. And that it's really some of what they've been up to. You know, the, Omar talking about how um, one of the Lynn Patton, how Lynn Patton is a, a, a token if she'll say that about Lynn Patton, what do you think she said about other black people? Because Ilhan Omar doesn't consider herself to be a black person because she's an immigrant. She's a Muslim and she's not from America. So this is something that a lot of people don't really consider or pay attention to unless they encounter people of this persuasion. But I, I know it to be a fact. Blacks who immigrate to this country, especially the most recent ones, they're coming from other nations. They don't consider themselves to be black. That is something that is unique to America, where if you say you're black, you, everybody knows what you mean. It means you're descended from slaves or you be, you're an American of some sort and you got a permanent tan. That's what that means. So they don't call themselves black. They're not blacks, okay? They might call themselves African-Americans, but they, they really don't. They, they claim their nationality. I'm Nigerian, you know, oh, so you, you, when did you guys, we immigrated here, blah, 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 we're Nigerian. And then they will point to their Nigerian community from which they marry their kids in and out of and all of their relatives that they've brought over through immigration as well. They don't, they don't point to other black people and say we're, we're a part of the black community. They're not. They don't see themselves that way. And they see us. As, and when I say us, I mean permanently tanned black folk, descended from slaves or not. You're an American. They see us as a totally different thing, largely unsuccessful, unable to take advantage of the American dream, unable to get an education. They see all this opportunity and things that we're able to do here in the United States, and they see the blacks in America as unable to partake in that. So Ilhan Omar, wearer of the symbol of oppression, the uh, headscarf, the headscarf wearer, she doesn't see black Americans as someone who, you know, she, oh, wow, those are black Americans and they're just like me. Useful for voting, sure. But when she says her district sent her, she's talking about the people who immigrated here like she did, whether they're black or tan or whatever they might be. She's talking about people who practice the faith that she practices, Islam. She's talking about women who wear the symbol of oppression and maybe some of them who don't, but they practice Islam. They hate Israel. That's who she's talking about. So when she says, oh, you're just a token to Lynn Patton, she says it with every much or every bit as much racism and vitriol as any white person who calls a black person a slur. Because she's not one of us. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you're sitting there white in America and you can trace your lineage back, you know, 100 years or so, then I'm more closely related to you than I'll ever be to that headscarf wearer as a black person because we are a people group. 
Americans are a distinct people group. We all share the same blood. I'm going to talk about recent immigrants. And if you're a recent immigrant and you're listening to the show and you like it, God bless you. I'm not insulting you. I'm just talking about my own kin right now. And that extends beyond the kin that I have that lives in certain states in this country that I can trace my, my recent lineage back to. I'm talking about the fact that I have the blood of many different ancestors running through my veins and some of them are white and some of them are American Indian and some of them are the black French, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That all comes from me being an American. And if you're white and you're from this country, if you've been here long enough, you're more closely related to me genetically than you are to that Omar person than you ever will be to her. So this is about us knowing who we are, appreciating the familial ties and national bonds that bind us together and saying no to the nincompoops. And, you know, she might like, like, let's, let's engage in a little bit of hyperbole here. You know, maybe one day Ilhan Omar will renounce the anti-Semitism that she currently practices and she'll come to be a true blue American who really sees every other American as a part of her extended family, a part of her nationality. She'll assume the nationality of American. She'll want to be as American as she can. She'll want to partake of American culture. She'll take off her headscarf and revel in the freedom of allowing her entire person to be free and to engage in our culture in whatever way she chooses to. Maybe she'll be that person. But until she is, She's an interloper, someone who seeks to destroy our country from within. She wants to start with Jewish people by annihilating their home country of Israel. And then if she were able to accomplish that and to get enough people elected here in this country, she would do the same here. She has no room in her heart for Jewish people unless they hate Israel and worship Palestine as she does. And, and so, you know, oh, no. There she goes again, telling the truth about somebody that's not politically correct. Yeah, I said it. And Facebook is probably, you know, de-boosting me right now. But that doesn't stop the truth from going out over the radio. It doesn't stop the truth from going out, period. It doesn't change the truth. You can de-boost. You can use your artificial intelligence. You can do whatever you want to do. You're not going to stop the truth from going out. And I'm not going to stop telling the truth because the censorship is going on. I'm not doing it. So... When we get back, we'll have your calls. More for you, 866-963-2037. Keep it here. The Arlington National Cemetery. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. On our spiritual heritage tour in September, we'll be going to the Arlington National Cemetery where we will visit the tomb of the unknown soldier and the changing of the guard. What a moving ceremony that is. We'll spend several hours at the Arlington National Cemetery, what I consider really to be the crown jewel of our nation's capital. We're going to be going in September. We're going to be seeing all the sites in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., We'll also go to Mount Vernon, the home of George and Martha Washington. There's so much to do and see. We also have a Williamsburg, Jamestown, Yorktown part. If you'd like to go on that as well, you're welcome to do that in September. For all the information, simply visit the website spiritualheritagetours.com. Spiritualheritagetours.com. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Will Orthodox Bible-believing Christians find it harder and harder to buy and sell in America? If you asked that question a few decades ago, people would think you lost all rationality. But that is a question Rod Dreyer rightly asked in a recent editorial. He points to the decision by Vanco Payment Solutions to cut off services to a Christian ministry because it is listed on the Southern Poverty Law Center's hate map. The Ruth Center is a Catholic nonprofit located in Louisiana, flagged because the service company believed it promoted hate, violence, harassment, and or abuse. Now, you can go to the ministry's website and see that it does not even come close to promoting anything like that. People in the ministry believe what the Roman Catholic Church teaches about homosexuality. And because they support traditional marriage and biblical sexuality, the Southern Poverty Law Center tagged them as a hate group. The Washington Free Beacon has been looking into the Southern Poverty Law Center and found that it has become a fundraising powerhouse by expanding its list of domestic hate groups. It recorded more than $50 million in contributions and $328 million in net assets. The group also has financial interest in the Cayman Islands, British Virgin Islands, and Bermuda. An article in Politico says that you might imagine that the Southern Poverty Law Center as a handful of scrappy lawyers in a dingy office suite somewhere. In fact, it boasts 250 staffers and offices in four states, and its main office is the most architecturally striking structure in downtown Montgomery. At one time, the Southern Poverty Law Center provided a necessary function of identifying true hate groups. Today, it slaps the label indiscriminately on ministries and organizations like the Ruth Center that do not deserve it. This, in turn, makes them a target, and they lose vital services. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It was freedom, not socialism, that ended slavery, won two world wars, and stands today as the beacon of hope for all the world. It was freedom, not socialism that's moving us beyond the prejudices of the past to create a more perfect union and extend the blessings of liberty to every American, regardless of race or creed or color. It was freedom, and it was freedom, not socialism, that gave us the highest quality of life, the cleanest environment on earth, and improved the health and well-being of millions around the world. It was freedom. Oh, yeah, that was Vice President Mike Pence waxing poetic about freedom and how it has brought us so much prosperity, the proliferation of freedom, the enshrining of freedom in our Constitution, and this really weird idea that we have to have people stay out of the way of other people so that they can be free. And sometimes that means staying out of the way of people so they can be free to achieve at the level that they want to achieve at. What do I mean by that? Well, exactly what I'm speaking of is when a person says, you know, I'm satisfied at this level. And socialists and utopian practitioners like uh, AOC and, and, you know, these new, this new wave of progressives that are taking over the Democrats, they would say, well, you, you can't just achieve at that level. You can't just be happy with, you know, a 1,800-square-foot house with three bedrooms and two baths. You can't just be satisfied. You have to be jealous of that person over there. Because remember, 
The Bible talks about this. We know it to be true in our own personal lives. How many times have you been utterly satisfied with something and perfectly happy with it? And then someone tells you, or maybe a commercial, or maybe you see a billboard, or, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Someone plants a seed in your mind that that thing that you've been previously satisfied with isn't good enough. Now, part of that, it, you know, marketing to sell products to people is predicated on making you want what they're selling. So sometimes that, you know, implanting of that desire yields a benefit for you because you find a product or a service you didn't know existed before that you actually do need. But more often than not, we find ourselves striving for things that until we knew that thing existed or that someone we know had it, we were perfectly fine. We were literally just like, you know, chilling, you know, just living our lives. We were happy with what we had. And then that other person came into the situation. <laughs> and then, they're, you know, did you see my blah, blah, blah? Did I had a new car. You know, how often does that happen? One person gets a new car and then everyone else kind of looks at their car and they're like, I loved this car until just a few minutes ago. And now I got to get rid of it. You know, you know what I mean? We're, we're all susceptible to this. And, but the antidote to that is to be free enough to say, wow, I'm satisfied with this. This works for me. Whenever I, you know, when, whenever the proper time is for me to move from here to there, whether it's material things or, or maybe it's education wise or whatever, then I will do that. And no elected politician or, you know, marketer on, you know, Madison Fifth Avenue is going to help make me stray away from the path that I've laid out, the goals that I've prayed over, the, the, the way that I feel like God is moving in my life to take me to point, from point A to point B. And we get ahead of ourselves as well. I'm not making us completely blameless. blameless. We will say to ourselves, I'm, this isn't where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm supposed to be further along. And then we sometimes miss the opportunity to really enjoy what God has laid out for us in that time until he's ready for us to move on to the next. Because it's really, it's about him being ready, sure, but it, he moves us along when we're ready. So if he's not moving us along yet, it's because we're not ready. That's hard for us to really comprehend and take in. And so Mike Pence, Vice President of the United States, was talking about the freedom not socialism, that ended slavery, ended two world wars, and is like the beacon that is on the runway at the airport. And when you're on the plane and you're coming in on final approach, those beacons literally communicate to the plane and say, you know, adjust your heading, get up a little higher, drop down a little lower, you know, all the, all the aviation speak, not a pilot, don't play one on TV. Those beacons help guide that aircraft in to the runway and help him to touch down. And you, you know, just as well as I do, if you've flown more than once, every pilot has a different way of touching down. Some of them literally kind of almost push the, the, the plane onto the, the, the tarmac and you bounce a little bit and then, then you're finally on the ground. Some of them, they glide in and you can barely feel the wheels touch the pavement, but you know, you're down and you know, and, and everything in between, no matter all you care about is that those beacons are communicating properly and they're bringing the planes in, you know, and single file, not, not having two planes trying to land at the same time on the same runway, et cetera, et cetera. That beacon, that same type of communication is going on right now. And every time we have, uh, you know, enshrined more freedom and given ourselves more opportunities, the beacon is stronger telling people to come here, telling people to 
partake in what we have, telling people, you know, you, you don't like being told by your government where you can and can't work or that you have to be in a certain caste system. You don't like your government telling you that you're, um, you know, you're because of the darkness of your skin, that you can't go on to secondary school or you can't you can't achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Or that if your father was a tailor, you have to be a tailor. Your kids have to be tailors. You can't break out of that. But in America, you can literally be homeless and graduate from high school as a valedictorian and get a scholarship to go to Harvard and be a doctor or a lawyer or, uh, you know, anything, a business owner. That's the beacon that's com communicating continually all over the world. And people see the beacon. They understand what it says and they want to come here. They want to touch down on our tarmac whatever way they can. They want to do the bounce, you know, bouncy, bounce, bounce, bounce landing. They'll take any landing they can. They'll parachute in. They'll swim in. They'll claw their way in. Whatever they have to do to get in the same place as that beacon so they can have the opportunity to make whatever they want to make for themselves. And we take it for granted a little bit. I mean, clearly, a lot of our American citizens take it for granted. And it's almost your birthright to be able to do that. Right. Because no one can take it away from you. No one can say, you know what, you're taking your freedom for granted. You're going to you're no longer a citizen. You have to be deported. That's the joy of holding citizenship, natural born citizenship. It's not the same privilege that immigrants have. Uh, you know, immigrants, the re part of the reason why immigrants are so law abiding and such a law abiding segment of our society. And notice I said immigrants. Let me be clear. Lawful immigrants. Is because if you come here lawfully and you get citizenship, it can still be stripped away from you if you commit a crime and you're convicted. After you serve your prison sentence, you can be deported. Your citizenship can be stripped from you. So that's why being natural born is so coveted. It's why it's so, so much that you want to be a natural born citizen of a country. And if you're not, you want to obey the law because you don't want to have your citizenship that you've purchased be taken from you. And so, you know, Vice President Pence, he was at CPAC, and he, he had a great speech. But this little bit here that Devin got for us, it, it's he talks about the highest quality of life, the cleanest environment on earth, that freedom brings all those things. And, you know, Mike Pence is a Christian, and he has spoken so eloquently about his faith. Um, and in the Bible, freedom, of course, freedom is a word that obviously it means freedom, but the, the more accurate term to be used is liberty. And liberty is given to us by God. He gives us the liberty of free will, a free association of choice, the right to defend ourselves, the right to you know, engage in commerce, the right to be free and unencumbered by government, the right to free association. He, he gives us all of that. God gives us these rights. And the Constitution merely protects them. So we want this. Uh, we, we want to understand it and we want to participate on it and we want to do our very best to make sure that other people also understand it and participate in it. Um, okay, so I'm just doing a little, uh, I'm looking at this camera. I'm like, why are you betraying me today? We And I told you, I already told you, I reported back to you that we had the internet people come by and um, work on, the, he just put in a, a bunch of new, kind of replacement things um so we got replacement things that came in and the 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 items that we've received in here in the in the office 
they're all new things. So we have our stream is up and running with no problems whatsoever. But now the cameras decide to act up. It's like one if it's not one thing, it's another. Um, so let let me let me get back to we were just discussing. Obviously, we're discussing freedom. And there were some really interesting speeches that were shared um, at the at the the CPAC. There was a kind of wide ranging discussion about um, this whole witch hunt. And they had Buck Sexton and uh, Lisa Doftari of the Foreign Desk was the moderator. And I think, uh, I can't remember which, I think it was, might have been Devin Nunez. They were, they were having a discussion about uh, the, the role of America in the world and what our foreign policy goals, like what should it look like under President Trump? What is it, what, what, what does it do? What, what, what can we do as a country? Um, and it was a great discussion. They, they were speaking on Friday morning. And so it gave us the chance to, um, to kind of hear from them on what they thought. And they, they had areas where they disagreed, but they also had areas where they were, uh-oh. So this camera is about to go out permanently here. Um, it's not, it's not going to stay on. I'm not going to be able to keep turning it on and off. So we might have to end the live stream a little bit early. If you want to listen, you can go to urbanfamilytalk.com and live stream if the camera goes out completely. Um, so they were talking about all of the different ways in which the Trump foreign policy doctrine has kind of, um, it's shifted our relationships with foreign powers and it's moved things around. And it's really, it's just done as it is with any president when they begin to really formulate their foreign policy and they begin to make changes um, the world leaders react, our enemies react, and everyone kind of orient, orientates themselves around the new reality. And it's no different with President Trump. And so they were talking about that. And, and I thought it was an interesting discussion, but there is no way for us to fully comprehend exactly all of the moving parts with our foreign policy because we don't get the briefings. So the president gets those and, you know, uh, members of his cabinet get the, get those People who have the security clearance are able to absorb that information. But we as the American people never get that full picture. We have to kind of go by the bits and pieces that we're able to get um, through the news and through what the president puts out through his uh, press office. I, by and large, I feel like it's going well. Um, and so what I'm hoping for is um, I'm hoping that we're going to see more of the good things that we've been able to see from President Trump with the foreign policy. And I'm hoping that other nations won't use as an excuse not to deal with him this witch hunt that's going on from the Democrats, that we won't we won't actually experience the kind of pushing down of his foreign policy goals, which he actually alleged the president. Um, he is blaming the Democrats in a way here. Um, he says for shame and he suggested that the Democrats are partly to blame for him leaving uh, Korea, or he was in Vietnam, but he was speaking with the leader of North Korea, for him leaving Vietnam without a deal. He says, for the Democrats to interview in open hearings a convicted liar and fraudster at the same time as the very important nuclear summit with North Korea is perhaps a new low in American politics and may have contributed to the walk. Never done when a president is overseas for shame. Now, I don't know if that's true, you know, that Kim Jong-un was like at night watching the hearings and thinking, I can't make a deal with this guy. I don't think Kim Jong-un is as free and unencumbered as he may appear. I think the Chinese government likes him 
at odds with America because he's basically a proxy for them. He can make a stink and do stuff they couldn't get away with because they have treaties with us and they know our reaction to them is going to be much different than it is to Kim Jong-un because he's viewed as a crazy person where the Chinese government is viewed as an equal to us and clearly we have, you know, established diplomatic relations with them. Um, But it was shameful. I think the president is absolutely accurate when he says it's shameful for them to do it while he's overseas. Um, Democrats would never allow the Republicans to hold big, huge hearings where the president was lambasted when it was Obama while he was away on, you know, foreign policy tour. But they don't care any more about uh, those kind of norms. Have you noticed that? And if, if you're listening and you're a Democrat, like, you don't feel like there should be some norms, the same norms that were observed during President Obama's tenure, um, that they should be observed for President Trump. And please miss me with this thing where one guy yells out, you lie during uh, the State of the Union, and that's supposed to justify everything the Democrats are doing to Donald Trump. That was wrong. I condemned it then. I said it was improper then. Move on. (laughs) Okay, so just let it go. It was improper. The guy... His career was kind of tanked after he did that. So it's it wasn't the right thing to do. But it doesn't excuse what the Democrats are currently doing under the guise of setting up their putting all their ducks in a row so that they can impeach the president. It just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I I see I see an opportunity. Um, The president used that opportunity to make this point. And the point is that they they didn't treat Obama this way and they shouldn't treat him this way as the sitting president of the United States. It's harmful to him as the president and it plays right into the hand of our enemies. And we should never want to see Congress doing that. We should never want to see Democrats or Republicans playing into the hand of our enemies. It remains to be seen um, what impacts this will have on other foreign policy discussions and negotiations. I haven't even looked to see what the, the schedule is for the rest of the week from the White House. They send it out one day at a time, or you can go to whitehouse.gov and view the whatever items they have put up for the entire week. Um, but clearly, the president is, they're, they're trying to hobble him and stop him from succeeding at anything. The problem with that is that that means stuff that would benefit their constituents, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, having us on the world stage and seen as powerful and a force for good benefits you no matter what your political affiliation is. There has to be a limit to where the Democrats will go to try to destroy this man, even to their own detriment and the detriment of the American people. We'll see if that actually pans out. All right, we'll be back with more after this. Keep it here. Life is never picture perfect. Human beings come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and abilities. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we think we're prepared, the unplanned happens all the time. It's how we respond to the unexpected that shows our true humanity. But many do not see the value of every human life. Too many are willing to discard those who don't fit the picture of perfection. Abortion destroys the chance to love and to be loved. We never know what will fill the frames of our lives or how empty those frames can be when we allow exceptions. Every life. 
is a gift. Learn more at www.radiance.life. Laura Perry. She refused to use the male pronouns or call me Jake. So what that did for me that she didn't know at the time, that was like a tether to reality. God never let me forget who I was. And that was a radical thought to me, and I did not want to hear it at first. When I first heard it, it really kind of made me angry. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is coming June 20th through the 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. Holy Spirit speaks to everybody. The problem is most folks don't listen. Lonnie Poindexter. If they do listen, they don't take it to heart or they get fearful or whatever. But when you listen and act upon it, wonderful things happen. And because a man of God heard the voice of God and acted upon it, it blesses me today and you as well for listening in. Lion Chasers. Weekday mornings at 10 Central on Urban Family Talk. America's talking to Fox News. A federal judge says it's unconstitutional for a military draft to be for men only. What do you think about women and the draft? It's a terrible idea. I don't think that it should be a draft for men or women. Well, I think that, you know, those who are designed to serve, they'll, you know, do it ordinarily. It's their calling. My daughter already serves, so I'm for it. Other nations within the world have been recruiting or drafting women as a part of their military force for quite some time. Having been a member of the military now for 31 years and worked with some amazing ladies within the organization, I think it's not an issue. I think everyone should do it. Why not? I mean, they can vote, they can drive, and only makes them strong. We're all equal, right? So they should have to be eligible for a draft. I haven't even thought about it. It would help people mature. I'm retired military, and I think one of the greatest things you can do for your country is serve. I don't think that has anything to do with gender. America's talking to Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I'm Pastor of Alpha Street Baptist Church. A lot of these people here are from Alpha Street. We're in Alexandria, Virginia. And we'll let you know your account has been paid in full, man. You're clear to graduate on behalf of Alpha Street Baptist Church and know that we took care of your account for you. Congrats, man. Thank you. I'm so thankful. Like, I just wish I could just come and just hug everyone. So the fact that this weight is lifted off my shoulder, I'm forever grateful. I will forever think about this. To everyone at Alfred Street Baptist Church, I am truly grateful. It really warms my heart to know that you guys gave so willingly and not knowing where it was going to in order to help students here. I am truly grateful and I will always remember this. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the program. Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thanks for being with us today. So there's a scholarship that um, the, the con- so that's a congregation, Alfred's, Alfred Street Baptist Church, and they were thinking about what they could do to help. And they knew a couple of students in their congregation who had outstanding balances at Howard University. And so they got together and they said, you know, kind of privately, hey, let's put our money together and provide a scholarship of sorts to anyone who's graduating um, that, you know, we we are affiliated with in any way. And let's pay off their remaining balances. And some of the students who, you know, they were aware of them because they'd gone to the church and said, 
Is there anything that you can do? I have an outstanding balance and I won't be able to get my, I won't be able to walk at graduation because I can't pay my outstanding balance. And so Alfred Street Baptist Church ended up raising $100,000 and distributing it among 34 students. And what they did was they went to Howard University and they literally paid the bills right there, you know, at the cashier's office, paid them so that every single student, that every single one of the 34 students received a note saying, your, your account is clear and you're free to walk for graduation. So they'd satisfied all of their requirements. They're in their final classes, you know, making the grades. They know they're going to be able to graduate academically. They're fine, but they had these balances and so they paid them off. And I thought it was such a nice story because it wasn't an instance of us saying, you know, what the government can do. And tomorrow we're going to listen to some audio from Laura Carno. She's previously affiliated with Faster uh, Colorado. Faster is a training program for teachers where teachers who want to be armed in the classroom can take the Faster training course and learn how to be armed safely in the classroom to defend against active shooter situations. And Laura has written a book. Uh, and the book is called, and I, I'm trying to remember if we had her on the show. If not, we've got to get her on the show. She's a friend of mine. Uh, How the Government Ruins Nearly Everything is the title of her book. And what we, it, it's such an amazing thing. She's talking about how when there's a problem, people will say, well, the government should blah, blah, blah to fix the problem. What, why doesn't the government yada, yada, yada? What we're coming to know, people who are are actually paying attention are coming to know, is that the government doesn't actually fix the problems. Um, The government can fix problems on the border. The government can fix, you know, some of our foreign policy problems, some, and and I mean some with capital S, capital O, capital M, capital E. But for the most part, the government doesn't fix problems, especially when they're the societal kind. And so if it was the government that was fixing this problem of students having balances and not being able to graduate, they would go in one of two extreme positions. School, allow them to graduate, allow them to walk, put them on a payment plan, which would discourage other students from satisfying their obligations. Or the other side would be they'd say, you know, we're, we're going to set up a, you know, some kind of tax and everyone who does X, Y, and Z has to pay this tax. And the tax ends up making something extremely expensive, which then sets up a new problem that people would say, well, the government should, you know, yada, yada, yada. I was chatting with um, two people that I know pretty well, and they were talking about the fact that they have all of these taxes um, in the state of Virginia, the state of Virginia. Um, and so the, I don't know at what level all these taxes were. I didn't say what level is that tax, but they were complaining about the different taxes like so obviously they have a tax on their personal property, which is, what, you know, personal property, your car. We have that here too. In, in Missouri, we have the personal property tax on your car. They have the personal property tax on your dog. We don't have that here, but there they have. A, so if, if you have two dogs, you have tax on both dogs. If you have one dog, you have a tax on the one dog. Um, and other kinds of taxes that they seem pretty miffed about. And so I happen to know that this, the two people I was talking to, that they both happen to be Democrats. And that, you know, you can bet dollars to donuts that it was a Democrat who said we need to tax people's dogs. You know, we need we need to put a tax on dogs because it'll help offset the cost of strays and blah, blah, blah. And so I was making the point that you kind of have to decide um, when you're voting, 
either you're voting for these kinds of policies or you're voting against them. Because clearly, yes, there's a uniparty. And yes, you can find me tweeting about the uniparty. I, I just sent a tweet out about that today. But the party platforms clearly delineate one party is for less taxes and the other is for more. So if you're voting for more taxes, why are you complaining about it? That was my question. Don't complain when you're voting it in. Now, if you don't want it and you're voting against it, then you sound like me and some of my friends when we sit around and talk about how many taxes there are and how a lot of our friends and neighbors here in St. Louis County regularly vote for more taxes. You know why they vote for it? Because the people who want the new tax, the, the new zoo tax, they put a whole bunch of commercials out with kids in them. Kids running through water fountains, kids smiling and holding, you know, animals at the zoo. And they were able to convince people that if they authorized this new tax for the zoo, the kids, they were doing it for the kids. Guess what? They were duped. It's, it's basically we're being taxed to throw our money up in the air. We might as well just take the money that we're paying in tax and put it in a, in a metal trash can and burn it. You know why I say that? Because they want to put this new zoo extension in a place that nobody in St. Louis wants to go to. In a part of the city, the, the, the metro area, I should say, that most people don't like going to. The people who live there don't like being there. So the, the people who live there travel way down into the city and, and you know, or, or into the county and other parts of the county to shop and to do all kinds of stuff. They don't do anything up there. They're going to put a part of the zoo up there and we're going to pay for it and it's not going to be profitable. And at some point, all the tax money that we've paid will go down the drain and they'll close that thing down. And it'll be yet another big, huge structure that taxpayers paid for that is just sitting empty, like the other structures up there. Three malls up there, completely empty. One of them has been converted into like a government center and some other stuff. They put some like party things in there for kids, you know, those bounce places, stuff like that. All of these retail areas, unsupported, completely defunct, closed down. And so now they're going to put a zoo up there and our taxes are going to pay for it. Same thing with uh, a couple of other taxes they just enacted. They, people, all they have to do to get people to vote for a tax in St. Louis County is to put some kids and some dogs in the commercial about it. And then all the Democrats put signs up because they, you know, God forbid they be against something that's for kids and dogs unless it's stopping babies from becoming kids through abortion. Then they're like, oh, no, we have to vote for that. And so that's what happens every single time. Every time they think up some new thing that the government should do that private industry should not do because mean old corporations won't do it right. Mean old corporations won't make everyone pay. The, what, mean old corporations shouldn't be the ones to help fund philanthropic organizations. Like back in the day, remember, it was the mean old corporations that put together the hospitals and the zoos and things like that. It was individuals who ran those companies who were successful who said, you know, our, com our, our county area needs a library. Let's build one. Let's have a few big fundraisers and have rich people come to the fundraisers and pay $35,000 a plate and come in and, you know, we'll fund this expansion to the uh, Natural History Museum or whatever. That's what used to be done. Now it's a bunch of people sitting around in some committee somewhere and they're like, you know what? We don't have enough arts and culture here. We're only rated number nine on the top 10 list of arts and culture. Our zoo's top 10, but our culture is only like, our culture's number 14, so we got to do something about that. So let's put a tax on the ballot. And we'll take the money from that tax and we'll build a cultural center or an art center or something like that. Do you see the difference there? 
when philanthropists and business owners and wealthy people get together and build stuff like this, they ask people who might want to contribute to come to a big cocktail party and be seen and photographed and stand in front of a step and repeat in fancy clothes so that they can, you know, basically feel justified in writing out these big fat checks. They raise the money, they put the thing up, and then it's supported by entry fees for people to come in. Then some liberal will say, well, you shouldn't have to pay to get in the zoo. So instead of paying to get in the zoo, we should implement a tax so the zoo is free. Because if we don't keep the zoo free, no one will go. People who are disadvantaged won't get an opportunity to go to the zoo. Even though we know that's not true. Because anyone who wants to go to the zoo, it's less to get into the zoo than it is to go to the movies. So if you want to go to the zoo, you can, you can afford it. So what is all of this? It's people who feel they know better than everyone else deciding we need a tax and you know, let's, let's fund it through. It's only, it's only a dollar on every dollar of your assessed valuation, they say. It's only 1% of the value of your home at the last you know, assessment. They, it's always, it's only this or that. And then you multiply that times 1.2 million people and you got enough money to do whatever you want. And no one's paying attention. They're just paying the tax. And so when I talk to people, um, like these two nice people I was talking to who were complaining about all the taxes they pay in Virginia, and I said, well, you know, over the course of the Obama administration, this area in Virginia went from being a solidly red state to a purple state to now a blue state. And, I, you, you know, you've celebrated that. So you're voting for these types of policies. And when you vote for these types of policies, you're going to get what you're voting for you're going to experience an amazing amount of new tax. And you think that it's not right to be charged a tax on your dog. And I agree with you. I don't pay a tax on my dog. But every time a new tax is, is implemented, it's because of people like you who they're so proud to be Democrats and proud to support everything Democrats tell them to support. But then afterwards, you're not happy with what you're getting because you've just voted in stuff that's going to cost you money. So don't vote for it. I don't feel like my comments were well-received. Um, I'm pretty sure they weren't. But the point that I'm making and sharing this story with you is that this is the case for us with many, many different issues. Whether, and you know, guilty as charged, I'm, I'm not looking down on anybody. We often will say we believe one thing. But then when it comes time for the rubber to meet the road and for us to vote that thing that we believe, we're voting for other stuff. Here in Missouri, we had a huge movement last election cycle in 2016 during the primary, which Josh Hawley won, and then he went on to win the general, and now he's the junior senator from the great state of Missouri. During the primary, there was a young man who was running as a libertarian, and he was also an atheist. Um, or maybe he said he was agnostic. I don't remember specifically. I just remember engaging with him on this. I didn't even know. Um, and I started talking about our biblically based values in this conversation with him. And he just totally kind of cut my head off uh, over it. And he said, not everybody believes that. And, and, you know, we all have a right to believe whatever we want to believe. And I said, sure you do. Um, but if you're running for elected office in a state like Missouri, you are probably not going to be as successful if you don't, you know, if, if you're, are you saying you're an atheist? And he said, I'm agnostic. I, I believe that's what he said. And I said, oh, well, I probably wouldn't vote for you. And he said, just over that one issue, I'm, I'm solid on everything else. I'm solid on guns. I'm solid on limited government. I'm solid. And I said, yeah, but there's something to be said for me wanting someone there who can vote for religious freedom, um, who can represent my, 
need for religious freedom. He said, you have religious freedom. You don't need someone to protect you on that. And I said, uh, no, there's never a point at which I'm willing to give up on that issue and say, oh, we have enough for religious freedom. And so, you know, we went back and forth. We sparred a little bit and it got a little heated. And afterwards, I noticed online a lot of people saying that they would vote for him. People who have the pro-life symbol with the with the cross on the inside, people who have um, previously, you know, posted scripture that I'm on my way to church or we're on a church retreat, yada, yada. So Christians saying they're going to vote for this guy who is agnostic. And so when I say vote for what you believe, that's a part of it, too. If you don't believe in higher taxes, don't vote for Democrats. If you believe in religious freedom, don't vote for agnostics. If you think that, um, you know, that, that we have a Judeo-Christian founding, then you need to vote for someone who believes that, too. If you want limited government and you want the government to get out of the way and to get smaller, then don't vote for someone whose current, you know, part of their platform is how they're explaining how they're going to implement these government programs or, you know, pass legislation to force this group or that group to do this or that thing. Now, I'm not a libertarian. I know what the libertarian platform is and I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. But I do think that we have a long way to go in limiting our government, in making our government smaller. And until we vote for that, we won't get it. And so that means we have to be really almost, you know, harsh to the point of precision in only voting for people who believe the things that we believe. And that has to be where after we've informed ourselves and we have our biblical worldview on straight, then we can start advocating for that. All right, there goes the camera again. <laughs> we'll get it fixed before tomorrow. God bless you. Have a fantastic evening. Um, I'll be back with you tomorrow with more Stacy on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thanks for making your home at AFR. <laughs>